Yeah, because it's all plastic, so they're sitting in the landfills for hundreds of years. With our diapers, you, what was most important to us was, in addition to the environmental impact, was making sure that you had extremely good performance. So everything that's touching your baby's skin is 100% cotton. Outer layer, which is you're going to be touching when you first uh, pull off the diaper to change your baby, that is made out of a sugarcane fiber. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us Amrita Saigal, founder of Kudos, natural disposable diapers. She joins us from Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Amrita. Thank you. As a parent in this busy world, the convenience of a disposable diaper is unparalleled. When was the first disposable diaper introduced in the market and sold commercially? I think that would be in the late 60s, if I'm not mistaken. I would have to check, but I believe it was in the 60s when the first disposable diaper was brought to market. The absorbency rates have changed since when I had my first child in 1993 and my second baby in 1997. So what material do disposable diapers traditionally made have that hold the liquid in the diaper? A traditional diaper with the leading brands being Pampers and Huggies. Um, if you kind of think of them as a sandwich, they have two outer layers. One, They're both made out of um, plastic. And then the core of the diaper is a combination of wood pulp mixed with... Mm-hmm. SAP, which is sodium polyacrylate, which if you may remember from changing diapers back in the day, is little gel beads that are mixed in with the wood pulp that are able to hold a lot of liquid, um, which is really what gives that diaper the absorbency. So has anybody studied the impact of these petroleum-based diapers? Diapers, believe it or not, are the third largest contributor to landfill waste. Mm -hmm. The average child in the U.S. goes through about six to 7,000 diapers from zero to potty trained. And the average age for fully potty trained is closer to three years old now. And hence, I believe last year globally, it was close to 185 billion diapers that were purchased. So it's no surprise that it is such a leading contributor to landfill waste. So how long do these diapers take to biodegrade. Do they in fact biodegrade at all because you have the plastic? Yeah, because it's all plastic. So they're sitting in the landfills for hundreds of years. How many layers do your diapers have? They're similar in composition. We have one added layer, but it's really about the different materials and how we've developed the absorbency that makes our diapers perform really well. What is your outer layer? So instead of the plastic, what have you used? Yeah, we've used 100% cotton and all of our cotton is sourced from the U.S. So everything that's touching your baby's skin is 100% cotton. What is preventing it from seeping through? If you think of a diaper like a sandwich, so the layer of the sandwich that's touching your baby's skin, that is made out of 100% cotton for us. And then that outer layer, which is you're going to be touching when you first uh, pull off the diaper to change your baby, that is made out of a sugarcane fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hydrophobic and gives you the barrier and the protection so that when your baby wakes up, they are fully dry. And that's really what gives us the prevents you from feeling the dampness and wetness. That's interesting because one of our previous guests, he actually used sugarcane pulp to make um, disposable containers. 
And I think there's a growing business and demand for sugarcane material. It's still a very new material. So the raw material tends to be more expensive than your petroleum-based plastics. Mm-hmm. But us, along with other brands that are trying to really make a dent in the space, are I'm hoping that the supply chain will continue to grow and there'll be more raw material suppliers, hopefully become the default. Instead of using petroleum-based plastics, you are now using materials derived from sugarcane and cornstarch and cotton. So where do you get your raw materials? The majority of it is from the U.S. We, like I said, all of our cotton is sourced from the U.S. and that was pretty important to us. Some of our other raw materials and other places, our sugarcane fiber actually comes from Brazil, but then we actually process it and turn it into the fabric material that's used in our diapers. That's all done in the U.S. So you said the part which touches a baby's bottom, that is cotton. That's cotton. That's what you really want, touching your baby's skin due to the nature of cotton, the breathability. What we're really finding by having 100% cotton touching your baby's skin instead of polypropylene Mm -hmm. plastic, which is generally what is touching your baby's skin, is that because of all the void space in the cotton, and you, which allows the airflow, we really are finding that we are having significantly fewer diaper rashes because what causes diaper rash in a baby? And more than 50% of babies encounter diaper rash at some point in time. It's because you have all that friction. And so if we can friction the lack of breathability, it's kind of like thinking of yourself coming out of the shower and you're dry, but not fully dry. And you put on a glad trash bag. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what a diaper often feels like on the babies versus what you would rather do is come out and wear your breathable cotton t-shirt. And that's honestly the difference between what we're doing and what traditional diapers use. I thought one of the reasons that you got diaper rash is the dampness. And that's how they sold it to us mommies, that this final layer keeps your baby's bottom dry and it will prevent diaper rash. So your cotton doesn't keep it's not dry to the touch if the baby has peed. No, it, it is because what we've done is what we've spent the last couple of years doing and what is our kind of our secret sauce and our patent pending technology is we've developed a system of two layers, mm-hmm. which we call our acquisition distribution system, which sits right underneath the cotton, which is able to, after the baby pees, the pee goes through the cotton and our acquisition distribution system, which is also made out of plant-based materials, able to quickly wick away the urine from that cotton and then disperse it into the core of the diapers. So our acquisition distribution system is made out of thousands of very small micro funnels that's able to hydrodynamically wick away that urine from the baby's bottom and disperse it into the core of the diaper. Because it's kind of important to know that your baby has because the way you know that infants are thriving is when you open the diaper and then you can actually feel some kind of dampness. Whereas if it's completely dry, and that was an innovation between the four years between my two girls, that it was really hard to discern if this kid had actually gotten enough in a breast milk. Yeah, so what's actually happened in the past years, new innovations since you've changed diapers is all diapers, the majority of diapers, including ours now, have a wetness indicator. So it's a yellow line on the outside of the diaper, but once the baby pees, that line becomes blue. Mm-hmm. So parents don't actually need to remove the diaper anymore to check if the baby's peed. You can just have a visual indicator. That's how you're able to tell with our diapers if they've been wetted or not. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and diapers. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. So I think, especially if you talk to new parents in the first couple weeks, like the wetness indicator is kind of a lifesaver. Um, I think as you, as the child grows and parents become more familiar with diaper changing and understand the cues of their baby, they're able to kind of touch and feel the diaper to quickly understand. But um, in the early days when you don't really know, that wetness indicator is very, very, very important for uh, many parents tell us they would not buy a diaper that did not have a wetness indicator. If you compare your environmental impact, kudos diapers, environmental impact to the petroleum-based diapers, how do they compare? I'll talk about it in terms of two things. In terms of environmental friendliness, so if you look at leading diaper brands from large companies, we have four times the number of plant-based ingredients in our diapers Mm -hmm. than they do. That's one thing. Our diaper is not 100% biodegradable. There is still elastic in a diaper, which is what gives the baby the good fit. We are working towards making a fully biodegradable diaper, but unfortunately there is no diaper on the market that can be fully biodegradable to date. Mm-hmm. But we definitely have the highest number of plant-based ingredients in our diaper. That's one side. And then when you look at the environmental side, and then the second aspect is in terms of performance, we have really worked hard. I previously did work at Procter & Gamble, as did some of the other members on our team. We all come from kind of the consumer package good space. With diapers, you cannot... Parents, yes, they want an eco-friendly product and they want to do something better for the planet, but not at the expense of their sleep. If they have a product that does not, you get, they have a leak, they have a blowout with the diapers, they have a bad experience. At the end of the day, if they're going to have to do loads of laundry, they have to clean mm-hmm. bed sheets and cribs that now have um, that now have urine in them. That's a hassle. With our diapers, what was most important to us was, in addition to the environmental impact, was making sure that you had extremely good performance Mm -hmm. in terms of fit and blowouts and preventing as many of those as possible. And that's what we're really finding, that our diapers are really, are holding up really well overnight, which is important for both the baby and a parent to getting a good night's sleep. So yeah, that's the biggest thing. People are not willing to compromise on performance for the environment is one of our biggest things that we know and that we are trying to make sure that, that we live up to. So how does it compare to a cloth diaper? Clot diapering is just not very absorbent. I mean, my mom in the 80s clot diapered me 100% of the time, which which I still think is, I'm very impressed by that. It's just not very absorbent. So today, if you look at how many people clot diaper, if we just look at the US, it's only about 5% of parents who even attempt clot diapering Mm -hmm. just because it's a hassle and laundry. And I'm not convinced, depending on where you live in the US, that clot diapering is actually more environmentally friendly because it takes about 11 gallons of water per load of these cloth diapers that you're washing. So in places where there's severe water shortages, it's actually not, people actually try and steer away from cloth diapering just because of the amount of water that you need to wash the diapers. And parents that do cloth diapering, many of them still use a disposable diaper overnight just because a cloth diaper can only go for a few hours Mm -hmm. until everything gets soaked up. And once a baby tends to feel damp, they tend to wake up and then your sheets and couch also get destroyed. So we don't want that as well. So um, so we're really, um, the performance of cloth diapers just isn't nearly as good as that of a disposable diaper. My concern with the disposable diapers, and I didn't know how to vocalize my concerns, was the off gases. I always felt that there must be something in this and it's so close to my baby 24 hours a day for two years. Are there some off gases in the petroleum-based diapers? 
There are definitely toxins and VOCs and stuff that can be absorbed by the baby's skin in a traditional diaper that's made from petroleum-derived plastics, 100%. Mm-hmm. This is very well known, and there's a lot of research around that. So this is really why we did not want any plastic touching your baby's skin. And that was really what motivated us to, to do something that was 100% cotton, but really be able to make it perform and be able to wick away the moisture in the same way that the plastic diapers are able to do so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely valid concern, and it's very true that with the uh, plastic mixed material, that is a concern. You got your degree from MIT. Yep. So what was your degree in? Mechanical engineering. And so I actually started my career at Procter & Gamble working as a manufacturing engineer for a few different brands. I worked with Always Pads and Gillette Razors. That was kind of my start into the consumer packaged goods industry. How did you come up? Was this your first startup? No, this is not my first startup. After uh, leaving P&G, I actually started my first company in India, mm-hmm. which is a direct-to-consumer sanitary pad startup making biodegradable sanitary pads out of waste banana tree fiber. That has grown um, and flourished in India. Talk a little bit more about the banana tree fiber pads. Absolutely. So the startup's called Sati, and similar to diapers, sanitary pads are majority all plastic. So we wanted to figure out how can we use locally available materials to really make a completely biodegradable and compostable sanitary pad. And what was critical to that was could we make the core of the diaper out of waste banana tree fiber? The And India is one of the largest producers of banana trees. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is after the harvest is over, we take the bark of the banana banana tree and we turn that into an absorbent fluffy material that's used as the core of our sanitary pads. The interesting thing about banana trees is from the time you plant a banana seed to the time you get bananas, it's about 10 months to a year and a banana tree does not reproduce bananas every year. So once the harvest is over, what actually happens is the daughter shoot grows off of the mother shoot and the mother shoot actually has to be cut down and right now it's a complete waste material. So what we developed was a process to really how do we take that waste material and turn it into a useful absorbent material and also give farmers another source of income for this otherwise waste material. So did you come up with the technology? Yeah, we spent a couple years uh, working on it. And then I did do a few other things. And Sati is very much growing in India today. Um, I'm no longer involved in it um, day to day. I did. I came back to the United States. I went to Harvard Business School to get my MBA. I then joined Google X and worked on Google Glass and heading up their optics manufacturing, which was a fun journey. Uh, it was the first product Google ever tried to manufacture in-house. So there was a lot of learning um, in those two years of setting up all the manufacturing for that. Mm-hmm. I then spent three years as the first employee, actually at my younger brother's startup called Thunkable, which is a no-code tool to build Android and iOS apps uh, if you don't know how to code. So me and my brother actually lived together in San Francisco and I worked for him for three years, which was just a ton of fun, um, something we had always wanted to do. And then as I entered my early 30s, me and my husband don't have kids right now, but as all of our other friends started to have children, we kept getting asked the question of, hey, Amrita, can you do something similar to what you had done in India with sanitary pads and really make a natural diaper that really works because I kept hearing from my friends that the natural eco diaper options just did not perform as well as the big brands. And could we really make a natural diaper that truly was green and was able to perform and stand up to overnight leaks and and prevent diaper rash? 
some of the big brands have a plants-based diaper, right? How is that different from what you are selling? Yeah. So none of the big box, if I don't know which ones you're talking about and specifically, but if you look at Pampers and Huggies, there's Pampers Pure and there's Huggies Special Delivery, which obviously true people really like and they, they perform great. But like I said, if you think of a diaper like a sandwich, the outer layers are still 100% plastic. What they have been able to do, which is a great step in the right direction, is they have made the core of the diaper out of sustainably harvested wood pulp, which has now become industry standard, which is what we are doing as well. But those outer layers, everything that you feel and everything that touches your baby's skin is still 100% plastic. These diapers tend to have fewer added dyes and chemicals, but in terms of the plant-based materials, Unfortunately, they are still majority plastic. What is your business model? Is it a subscription-based or a direct-to-consumer? Yeah, so it is a direct-to-consumer baby diaper brand. We offer a monthly subscription at $78 a month, but we also allow you to buy diapers one-off. Yeah, so there's a wide variety of subscription and non-subscription options. I would think that subscription would be a perfect model for diapers. I remember my husband going at 11 p.m. (laughs) as we run out of diapers. Absolutely. And we do see the majority of our consumers opting in for a subscription uh, just because it it makes it easy. Mm -hmm. And I think pre-pandemic, I think it was something around, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it was roughly like 30-ish percent of diapers were bought online post-pandemic um, and through the pandemic and it's continued. Um, it's it's over 50% of diapers are bought online just because of when you think about diapers, right? Like you need so many every month. You On average, you're using between 150 to more than 200 diapers a month based on the child's age. And just because they are light, but they are like big and bulky when you're buying so many that it's just a hassle um, for parents parents to go to the store often with a kid in one hand and the diapers in the other that you're right. It definitely is the perfect business for a subscription to ensure that parents never run out. So Pampers and Huggies are household names in America. And in some households, a disposable diaper is even called a pamper. You know, like, go get me the pamper. How did you penetrate that market? Must have been pretty hard. Yes, it's it's definitely uh, not um, easy to come in as a new brand in the diaper space. I think there is a very large consumer base right now that is really looking for eco-friendly natural products and really cares about like what is every ingredient that is touching their baby's skin. So there's a lot of people that are seeking out eco-friendly options, which has definitely been helpful um, to us. But we've relied on a number of things as a we're a very small team. The three full-time people were all um, women in our uh, Mm mid-30s. So it's been great that to start with, it was very much like our friends and their friends. Um, and we relied very heavily on word of mouth. Um, when it comes to baby products, it really is more than anything. People trust their friends in terms of what did their friends use. So relying on that has been huge. So the mommy circle. The mommy circles are very, very, very powerful. And mommy Facebook groups and people, if they have a good experience with our diapers, we've seen many people posting about them and leaving positive reviews, which has been huge. The other thing that we're finding a lot of our consumers tend to uh, work with doulas or midwives through their pregnancy and birth. So really bringing on, uh, and we have a lot of doulas and midwives that really like our products. They're starting to recommend them Mm -hmm. to their clients because often their clients want a natural eco-friendly option. We are partnering with a few hospitals, which we are excited about because that's another thing, right? You have to get 
parents are, it's in those first few months when they're at home during maternity leave and paternity leave that they're testing out different brands. And then after they go back to work, they're in a routine and they're less likely to change unless something's not working. But you really only have kind of those first few months to really hope that that parent chooses uh, your diaper. And so really focusing on giving out samples to new parents, partnering with a lot of the newborn classes where they teach people like the basics of Mm -hmm. a lot of parents today uh, take classes before their baby's born on everything newborn related. So we're we're partnering with a lot of those classes and organizations who really like our diapers um, to really spread the word through there. So a lot of different techniques that have really helped us to start getting traction. We are are new. We only launched on June 1st, so we're, but uh, we've been really happy with the results so far. Most environmental solutions tend to be far more expensive than, shall we say, not so sustainable solutions. If I had a baby, how much would it cost me to get Kudos diapers for a week? For a week, you're looking at about 18 to $19 a week. And compare that to the traditional ones. Yep, you're looking at about... 12 to 14 dollars a week so it is more there's no doubt about that unfortunately the reality is that our raw materials just cost more mm-hmm. than plastic based raw materials that's really what drives the higher cost and I think that's a combination of a few factors there are it's kind of a supply and demand problem there's fewer suppliers for these materials because there's fewer companies that are purchasing these in, in large quantities so we're working with our suppliers really at the early stages to help them really scale their production mm-hmm. and hopefully as a lot of these raw materials become the default. That's a huge goal of mine is that it's not you are going out of your way to find eco-friendly products, but that really becomes the default and you have to go out of your way to find non-eco-friendly products. That is where we need to really help the world get to. And so that's really what drives the difference in costs right now. I think about 20 to 30 percent though, it is hard, you know, and especially as a new parent. But yeah, so I think a 20 to 30% increase in cost could be approachable for many people who want to have a sustainable alternative. Absolutely. We are definitely not the most expensive diaper on the market. There are brands that are more expensive than us. We are a premium brand. And it comes down to if parents are able to have the performance they want, Mm -hmm. there are cheaper diaper brands that just don't perform as well. And when you have that lack in performance and then you're up all night and you're doing laundry. And then the other thing we're really trying to work on is preventing diaper rash. And if we can really do that, then you don't need to spend money on all these diaper creams and et cetera. We're really hopeful that we've seen great results and a lot of people commenting um, on because cotton is actually clinically proven to be the best material for sensitive skin. And it is the number one material that doctors recommend for babies that have rash and eczema. So if you can help prevent that and you have fewer leaks, I think hopefully makes it worth it. And um, understanding that the cost is really coming from the higher cost of our raw materials. So today is July 26th. And um, the past two days, they've been talking about rising diaper costs. Yep. So have your prices increased? Our prices have not increased. Yeah, we're, we're able to keep them um, exactly where they are. There is raw material prices. It's mainly driven by the increase in raw material prices. As 
we've all seen gas and oil prices um, have been going up and mm-hmm. and fossil fuels is what is the main raw material that goes into the plastic. These are all petroleum derived plastics that goes in traditional diapers. Um, there's raw material shortages. There's been and a lot of the same raw materials that go into the plastic raw materials that go into diapers are the same materials that are going into all the PPE equipment. So there is, I mean, you're looking at all the wipes, the mask and all that. So when you're using, there's just so much more demand for the same raw material source. Um, that's what's driving up a lot of these, um, a lot of these classes. And then as I'm sure everyone's kind of, I think a lot of people are aware of just how expensive global shipping is and how there just isn't enough shipping containers and things are just taking a lot longer. And the the main cause of that is like during the pandemic, instead of people Mm -hmm. doing more things and going to activities and going out, they spent their time buying things. And that kind of is what created, that's kind of what's driven this craze in, in global shipping and global shipping to be everything to be very delayed. We experienced severe delays in getting in getting our raw materials and, and manufactured goods to our warehouse. So you combine the raw material increases with the increases in shipping prices, and that's what's driving a lot of this, this price increase right now. So where are your diapers made? In Germany. How did you manage to find a facility which would take your technology, take the raw materials from Brazil, and cotton from the U.S., and make it in Germany, Yeah. And everything else is from the US too. There's tons of components in the diaper. Yeah. I I mean, that was a huge challenge. Um, Two of us on on our team um, had previously worked at Procter & Gamble. So we knew a lot of the manufacturers and the players in the industry. Yes, we were very lucky that we were able to find a manufacturer Mm -hmm. that was willing to work with a small brand. I mean, it's definitely a risk to work with someone who has smaller volumes, but they were really betting on our future that we are going to um, really make a dent in the eco-friendly, natural baby diaper market. It took us a while. Um, We talked to everyone and anyone we knew from our days at Procter & Gamble and then industry conferences and really found a very solid partner that we've been very happy with. How do you do quality control across the Atlantic? Luckily, our manufacturer has many, many years of experience um, in diaper manufacturing and then also shipping products all across the world. So we really rely on our manufacturer. This was a huge challenge because the manufacturing happened um, during COVID. We actually couldn't travel to be there in person for the manufacturing. So it was all done virtually on FaceTime and Zoom. But our manufacturer has very strict quality control guidelines of what passes, what doesn't based on like our specs. So that's a very clear process. And then shipping, we ocean freighted everything, which took a long time and many, many delays. But yeah, we're happy that all of our inventory is here now and that people have been buying our diapers. (laughs) I found out about you when you received funding for your startup. How much did you receive? $2.4 million. Whoa, that's Amazing. Thank you. (laughs) How hard was it? You're just two years old and you have a couple of million dollars in funding. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. So it's, I mean, fundraising, if you talk to anybody and my experience was no different, it's very, very, very difficult. We have a phenomenal group of investors. I mean, I probably faced 60 or 70 no's before I got my first yes. And it really was about finding those investors that really resonated with our vision, especially when we fundraised, we didn't have any revenue or sales or anything to show. Mm -hmm. So they were really betting on the team. And we are very lucky that we have very, very, very stellar team, four of us who have worked at Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, Google, Uber. So I think they, what helped us get the funding was that they believed that we were the right team to really execute on the vision. And, um, we had all launched products at various companies before. 
That being said, fundraising is very difficult and you have to go through a lot of no's before you're going to get that first yes. Yeah. So we feel very fortunate that we have the funding to really be able to execute on our vision now. A friend of mine who's a VC, he always says, you need only one VC who believes in you, who has the same spirit as you, has the same mission and vision as you for the whole thing to succeed. A hundred percent, right? Like we could have, I mean, there were investors that were like, just make the cheapest product possible and have the highest margins. And that was something that we just weren't willing to do. So yes, there were investors that we did not feel that there was a good connection or they didn't understand why this was important. And that was that. That's totally fine. But then there were investors that really resonated with our vision and understood that we had a long-term plan that we really wanted to be at the forefront and the cutting edge of of diaper technology and that it is going to take time and is going to take many iterations. Mm -hmm. We are going to be at a higher price point. We really want to invest in developing that supply chain. We want to invest in really developing new materials and being on the cutting edge of technology and finding those right investors that said, yes, it took a while, but we're fortunate that I could not ask for a more supportive, stellar group of investors. So what are your next steps? The next steps really are to get our diapers into the hands of as many consumers as possible. And then the other thing is like, we're not just, just because we're at V1 of our diapers, our goal is to continue pushing on the materials. We want to get to 100% biodegradable diaper and really being the leader in that and continue to improve the performance even further. So we're not stopping. We're, we're never satisfied and we're always eager to do better and gather the feedback from our consumers and make improvements and hopefully take over the diaper world very soon. Congratulations again on your funding. And it was lovely, lovely to chat with you, Amrita. Thank you, Vidya. Thank you for inviting me and allowing me to share my story. You're listening to Mindful Businesses with Vidya Ayer. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send an email to info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. Subscribe and listen to us on your favorite podcast listening app. Remember to rate and review us. To learn more about this and our other episodes, check out our website, mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. If you learned a thing or two on this episode, share it with one friend. This is Vidya Ayer with Mindful Businesses.